Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Here we are, Matthew, with our final Betwixt-isode. For the last time. <laughs> a cliptacular clipapalooza. We have Tutti Fruities, who are the people who support the show on Patreon, who have contributed audio clips of their most favorite moments and of their least favorite moments. And we thought it would be fun to give them the chance to be heard on the show. And for those who don't like to perform, we actually have some uh, written in responses that I will be reading. So uh, this is this is going to be fun after last week and realizing there are no more episodes. We just have that reunion movie coming up next week. And uh, this is this is crazy. I'm I'm still I don't know if I'm in just denial or if I'm uh, I don't know if I'm happy or if I'm sad. I'm it's just weird, I guess, is the best word I can use to describe it. Yeah, I don't even know that I understand it yet. Yeah, it's going to be weird when a few weeks go by and suddenly we're like, we haven't done that thing in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, while we're on the subject of doing this, not doing this, and all of that, the the big answer to the big question, we've kind of been talking about it in past weeks, but I don't know if I ever officially made it uh, an actual statement about it with the the question of what is the next show we're going to do? What is it going to be? Well, the answer is there is not going to be a next show at the moment. We have no plans to do that. That, of course, can change down the road. But for now... What we're doing is we have got TV Talkaholics, the show that we had been doing for the Patreon supporters, giving them first access to it. TV Talkaholics is now its own podcast, its own string, um, its own feed on all of the podcast platforms. So while you're listening to this right now, guys, head on over to TV Talkaholics and be sure you subscribe to that because that is going to go live on March 15th. We have 40 episodes, Matthew, in the bank. Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> now all the, the world at large can hear what the Tutti Fruities have been listening to over the last three years plus and <laughs> finding out what they missed out on. And some of them might be like, oh, glad I didn't pay three bucks a month for this shit. So TV Talkaholics was a monthly podcast we're dropping them weekly. So over 40 weeks, you will get all of the back catalog of TV Talkaholics, which will bring us up to December, at which time we will start dropping new content. We'll be recording it between now and then. We're not going to just go our ways and never talk before December. But starting in December, that's when we're going to start dropping new content, but that will revert to being a monthly thing. And it will continue to be facts of life adjacent, like all the stuff we have been doing. So uh, we're still talking about the facts of life, and we will never stop. You will have to pry it out of our cold, dead mouths. Oof. That analogy doesn't really work when you use it that way. I, 
I, I thought it would sound better than it actually did. Mm. <sighs> it didn't. <laughs> anyway, also tvtalkaholics.com is the website, and that is the epicenter hub where you can find all the links to all the everythings about the new feed and the new show, including the new Patreon. But of course, I don't expect anyone's going to do the Patreon until we're putting out new content. And I haven't even thought about what in the fuck we're going to do with uh, with that and what I'm going to offer. Maybe early access. Maybe you'll let it release it earlier in the month for the, the Patreon peoples. But uh, the beauty is that is a decision I do not have to make until much, much later in the year. And as the king of procrastination, that makes me very happy. So before we begin, I do want to mention a comment made on Facebook that you're going to appreciate, Matthew. Uh, listener Jeffrey S. Jeffrey has commented many times and has sent us some uh, wonderful mementos and all that. He commented on the last week's Facebook post, I can't wait to hear the Pippa Palooza. <laughs> I would not be attending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, it is a Clippa Palooza, uh, not Pippa Palooza. That will not be happening on this podcast at any time ever. We can assure you. Sherry Austin, no diss to you, of course. I know you're listening and uh, we love you. We just fucking hate Pippa. So there it is. Well, are you ready to start hearing some stuff from the Tutti Fruities, Matthew? Yes, please. 13 Tutti Fruities wrote in and or sent in audio clips. And I thought uh, last time we did this, which was episode 100, which was a long time ago, uh, we kicked it off with Matthew C. Matthew C. last time inadvertently provided the one to two sentence synopsis of the episode. So it was perfect to start off with him and with a lack of any other structure to anything. I was like, let's let's carry on the tradition. We've done it one time in a row. So Matthew C., we're going to start off with you. And here is Matthew. To David and Matthew, I can't give you my most favorite moment and least favorite moment from The Facts of Life because I haven't watched it since I was a kid. What I can do is tell you I've listened to every episode of this podcast and enjoyed every one. I will miss our time together. Aw. Matthew! Matthew's actually a friend of mine. He lives up in New York City. And, oh, that's so sweet. He always is asking me and texting me, asking about the podcast. I have to admit, it never occurred to me that people aren't watching along but of course they don't have to i mean i try to design the show around you don't have to watch but for me personally i'm always like i hear a podcast they mention a movie title i have to run out and watch it so i'm more fanatical about that but jesus tv guidance counselor must be a nightmare for you to listen to if you've got to watch everything they mention there are probably five TV movies that I have downloaded and sitting on my computer waiting for me to watch them. And three of them were from when he was on the show. Remember he was mentioning those those Rich, Richard Grieco movies? I, I got them downloaded. I watched If Looks Could Kill. Yes, Ken was right. Very funny. But uh, yeah, I do watch The Office. I've been trying to keep up with that so that when I listen to The Office ladies, I can be reminded. But The Office is a much denser show. There's a lot more going on there. I think. Well, you have to check your email and <laughs> and go see a movie and yeah. think and just to realize how amazing and finny they are. They're so finny. 
And Ugh. I did send you, I, I gifted, didn't I gift you their book? And did you, yeah, did you actually book. read their book? I have looked through it. I didn't sit and read it for cover to cover, but. Yeah, I figured it was for the photos. I thought you would enjoy the photos, but that was before your your hatred for their dialects really fully had blossomed mm. into this complete and total awfulness. Mm. Anyhow, Matthew C., thank you so much, darling. You know I adore you and, of course, your partner, Jeff. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again. They were just here in uh, Orlando passing through last month, and uh, we met up at CityWalk and had a lovely little uh, chit-chat visit ice cream time. It was really, really nice. Oh, thank you for the invite. Oh, I, th I thought you were busy that night. Hmm. <laughs> Would you have come? No. <laughs> I will definitely invite you next time. Okay. <laughs> So our next clip I thought I would share is from Just Joe. That's how he goes by Just Joe, no final initial, and, and that works for me totally. It's a, it's a great brand. So let's hear what he has to say. Hey, David. Hey, Matthew. Uh, this is Just Joe, one of your 2D fruities. Um, so sad that it is coming to an end, but I look forward to what's coming in the future. Favorite moment from the series is definitely my two favorite episodes, the Elder Barge episode, and of course, Seven Little Indians. Least favorite moment of the series is actually the first episode. I'm uh, sorry, the first season. Just can't get into it. Uh, don't like the vibe. I really don't get into it until Joe comes. All right, thanks. Love you guys. Oh, we love you too, just Joe. Fair statements. Uh, true. I mean, I <laughs> watching season one is just like this unpleasant appetizer to the meal that you know they're going to be serving us when joe walks in and i remember you've said you've heard me say it a million times the i think you can audibly hear the click of the show falling into place when she pulls that motorcycle helmet off her head but yeah el debarge episode that was called Duwa. that was season seven episode seven in hindsight i really wish they had called it sexy lingerie don't you think that would have been a better title? I think a better title would have been the Elder Barge episode. Uh, fair. That's fair what, point. That's what everybody calls it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's it. Just Joe, we, we should follow your lead here. And Seven Little Indians, God, that is such a favorite. Season 8, episode 13, God love it. It is uh, absolutely a fan favorite. And I really did love having Ken Reed on to talk about that show. So thank you, Just Joe, for that audio clip. We so appreciate it. Next, Ryan C. And this is one where I uh, need to read it because Ryan didn't want to have to perform. And I did give the Tutti Fruities that option because it is weird uh, having to record your voice sometimes. So uh, Ryan writes, hi, David and Matthew. This is Ryan from Toronto, Canada. One of my favorite things is the amazing theme song. For those who didn't know, Gloria Loring recorded a full-length version of it in 1984 for her album, which was quite twangy and unfortunately lacks the magic of the TV versions. Thought it was interesting to hear extra verses not heard previously. She re-recorded that version in 2011, and that is the one that is widely available on streaming platforms currently. I always wished we got to hear the original 1980 and 85 arrangements in full. 
Another fond musical memory I have is from the season two episode, Who Am I?, where Tootie dances to the disco song with Carl at the end. I tried for many years to find that song, and only in the last few years has it been officially released on streaming. It's called Ask Me to Dance by Sassy Allen. Obscure, but enjoyable. In terms of what I dislike about the show is the way it evolved over the years and turned into a completely different style sitcom from how it started in every aspect. It's always been difficult to try and get people into it for that reason because there's quite a difference in quality in some seasons versus others. Personally, I have a soft spot for the Eastland years. Yes! Woohoo! Thank you, Ryan. Uh, he continues, I think there were so many missed opportunities for the way the show ended. Charlotte Ray should have come back for the finale at the very least. Also, the wardrobe was so drab on these girls for most of the series until around late season six, when it just kind of shifted dramatically. I guess we owe a lot to Diana Eden. Thanks for all the laughs the last few years. Aww. Thank you, Ryan. So clearly, Ryan, a little bit of a music nerd. I, I like that this episode is people just telling us how much um, they love us. <laughs> Isn't it great? It feels like an Office Ladies episode where we oh, can just talk about how amazing we are and how thingy. <laughs> so uh, I would like the record to show I love Office Ladies as a podcast. I'm not saying it isn't a little on the self-congratulatory uh, scale ranking quite high but it's it's the office it's a good show come on uh so uh but yes we do owe a lot to diana eden and how cool that we have actually gotten to tell her so to her face isn't that great yeah how the technology true. has advanced somebody decided jewel tones and everything changed mm-hmm <laughs> So the Who Am I episode that he mentions is season two, episode four. And we were just talking about uh, that episode because remember the kid that Tootie dances with, his name was Carl and it was played by young actor David Coburn. He was on the episode of Different Strokes that we did on the TV Talkaholics episode, The Slumber Party. He was one of Willis's friends that was hanging out and fighting with the girls. So we were like, oh, remember that kid? So it's funny that Ryan brings this up because it's like, we were just talking about that kid. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sending that. And uh, if you want to hear full versions of these songs, hop over to the Facebook page. I posted them, the the YouTube videos of these, and uh, they are quite the blast from the past. All right. Are we ready to move on? Yeah. Kevin L. Kevin L. sent us in a lovely sound clip, and here he is. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> Hi guys, Kevin here. I was so pleased when Matthew became a you know, permanent co-host. He meshes with you so well, David, and you guys bounce off each other nicely. And even when you have other guests on, he brings excellent content and he's always very, very funny. I really enjoy having him. But David, specifically, I live for the moments when you run the numbers, whether it's the Nielsen ratings or, or and specifically comparing actors' ages to characters' ages. It's that sort of fact-based reporting that brings stability to the chaos that otherwise is the facts of life. I don't know what the two of you have planned next, but I hope you do it together. And David, I hope you keep bringing those numbers. All right. Kevin, 
Oh my god, stop trying to make out with me, Kevin. Oh, <laughs> I was ready to accept marriage until you started going on about David's numbers. But whatever. <laughs> oh. it's to, e- to each their own, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah, go figure. One of our listeners likes it. That's all I needed to know, Kevin. They will not stop. The obsession will continue until the day I die. Just the one, just the one person. (laughs) That's that's enough for for you to continue. (laughs) But we do mesh well, don't we? We do mesh well. I love the fact that I brought you on permanently as well. I think that was probably the best decision I made with this. And I only wish I had thought of it sooner. And, uh, yeah. I'll agree with that. Yeah. So, Kevin, because you love the numbers, how about I do some numbers? Would you want to hear some numbers now, Matthew? I would love to. Well, we always do our betwixt episode about the season coming up when we have a break in the seasons. And with that, we also refer to the prior season. So uh, I thought it would be interesting to do kind of a Nielsen wrap-up now that the series is over we can talk about the final season. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, the Facts of Life hit its highest ratings in the Nielsen's. Season three and season five, both of them, they were at number 24. That was the highest it ever got. And in the other seasons surrounding it, of course, other than season one, uh, it kind of hovered around the high 20s, low 30s, which is a good middle-of-the-road place to be where they're not going to cancel you. And, you know, it's more consistency in performing. And, uh, yeah. So season eight, you will recall, and and you will recall because I know you all memorize these numbers. Uh, It came in at number 31. That's one of the few times it dipped out of the top 30. But season nine, it came in at number 27. So season nine did better than season eight. It was tied with Highway to Heaven. Jesus. Yeah. And remember season three, number 24, it was tied with Little House on the Prairie. So clearly people like the facts of life and people like Michael fucking Landon and and his hair. But yeah, I thought that was very interesting that it was still going strong. You get why they wanted to do a 10th season, even though the girls were like, um, we're good. Thanks, though. And yeah, it was still performing strong. Isn't that crazy? Nine years into its run. Well, what was it on with, David? On They had moved it to Saturday in season nine, right? Or it had been there. It had been there and had stayed solidly with either 227 or uh, Men and the Golden Girls. I mean, really, it was the Golden Girls that kind of kept it all going. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because there was a season they were on at 830 immediately before the Golden Girls, and that was a spike. And then when they moved it to 8 o'clock, I think then they put 227 in the 830 slot. 227 jumped up and hit the top 30. Facts of Life slipped a little bit. That might have been season 8. That's where Facts of Life just slipped down a little bit out of the top 30. But it surprisingly held most of its audience. It it didn't tank, even though it did get moved a, a half an hour away from Golden Girls. So, yeah. Those are your numbers, Kevin. I am so glad to provide them for you. It is a passion. 
uh, of mine. Passion is a word I like to use. Uh, words like obsession, obsessive compulsive disorder, I, I prefer not to use. Thank you very much. And here's my number, Kevin. It's three, two, one. Oh, oh you're going to do it? Really? <laughs> but yes, Kevin, if you want to privately message us, either of us, with a marriage proposal, uh, you have already laid the groundwork beautifully for an acceptance. Let's move on now to Paul K., shall we? Yes. Hello, Paul. I am going to read this because he wrote in to us. He puts, Hello, David and Matthew. I'm Paul Kay, and I'm writing to you from New York City. My favorite moments of the facts of life are any time Mindy Cohn broke up when telling a joke in the early years of the series. I know it can be annoying, but I have the same problem when trying to say something funny, and I feel seen in those moments. My least favorite part of the series are the final episodes. I wanted a real goodbye to the characters that I cared about for the run of the series, and the backdoor pilot endings put focus on a bunch of new characters instead of giving us real endings for the characters we care about. And he also added, I want to thank you for being a companion to me throughout yet another transfer. My husband is career military, followed by the COVID lockdown. I was extraordinarily isolated from my family and friends and the world at large at that time, and knowing my Wednesday morning would be brightened with your podcast made being in a new place so much better. Aww, Paul. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> Oh, but that is the sweetest. It's uh, making the show and putting it out there. You hope people like it. You want someone to listen to it, even though we joke about our tens of listeners. That is so important. That is so uh, sweet just to know that it has some, not just, it's not just there as background filler or, you know, you put it on for your pets when you're not at home. It's nice to know that it really does uh, matter to people and that hearing our dulcet voices is like listening to friends. That's really nice. I get that feeling from other podcasts and it is, it's really a dream come true to know that anybody can feel the same way about this one. That's really, really sweet, Paul. Very sweet. And I just love that, like we joke about our tens of listeners, but the listeners that we have, like, it's so cool that they are, they love the facts of life just as much. And like, I feel like we found a, a little community that I had no idea was out there. Hmm. True. I kind of felt like I was alone in loving the facts of life, you know? Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Because it, it part of it is because of it not being available on any streaming platform. The fact that it's not actively out there where anybody can find it in its entirety. It yeah. is kind of drifting away. I was thrilled and shocked when they did the reenactment of it back in 2021 for the live in front of a studio audience. I'm like, oh my God, it, it still is relevant. Some people did remember it. So yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's a great time to live in. It's a great time that we have the ability to put out this podcast on the same podcast platforms where you know millions and cabillions of listeners are able to hear other shows. And that with social media, with the Patreon and all that, uh, we have a direct pipeline. People have written to me and we've had nostalgia memories exchanged. And it's really, really nice. So that's why we love you, Tutti Fruities, and anyone listening to the show. It's, it is really, really sweet. And we really do appreciate it. So let's move on, shall we, Matthew? Yes. 
we've got Michelle B. She sent in a very funny, sweet clip. I believe she referred to you uh, last clip show as the delicious and delectable Matthew <laughs> Arder. Yeah, I was thinking she was referring to my size, like when you see a roast pig with an apple <laughs> in his mouth. No, stop. Stop. Anyhow, Michelle has sent in another audio clip. And here, let's hear what Michelle has to say. Hi, David and Matthew. It's Tutti Fruity Michelle B. here from Madisonville, Louisiana. What a long road it's been going through every episode of The Facts of Life. And we've been through everything. The highs, Casey's bulge, and the lows, Kelly Affinato. We've met some great people like Flyman and Mr. Lazzaroni. But here's my best and worst. My absolute favorite episode, season eight, episode 13, Seven Little Indians. I like saying Tootie. And the worst, season seven, episode 20, The Lady Who Came to Dinner with that ridiculous Alice in Wonderland party. Oh, I don't even think I need to explain anymore. So there it is, the best and worst according to moi. But the absolute best has been you guys. I hope it's not over. Oh, Michelle. No, it is not over. It will continue. It will just take on a slightly different form. But thank you so much for sending that in. Uh, just like just Joe, she also mentioned Seven Little Indians. We already have two votes for that as a fan favorite. I can't remember the last time a woman told me she hopes it's not over. <laughs> I like how Seven Little Indians is, I'm again, it was always one of my favorites. So mm -hmm. I'm... I'm glad that other people like that one, too. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I thought this would be a good moment for us to talk about some of the characters we have met along the way. She brings up Casey, Kelly, Flyman, Mr. Lazzaroni. And I thought I, I started to make a little bit of a list of characters just to kind of journey back and remember the ones we enjoyed and the ones we didn't. And Michelle, I appreciate your pronunciation of Flyman. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, we caught that. Yes, that was genius. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, of course, characters we loved and weren't with us long enough. Cousin Jerry, come on. How could, uh, how has she not been on the show since season five or six? That's just terrible. But others just thinking of, I love Natalie's grandmother. We love Nehemiah Persoff as the elevator guy. Mr. Lazzaroni, I have stated many times, the show really should have used him more. That could have been a fun little thing, little extra running bit to have this decrepit elderly man doing their deliveries and handiwork. We loved George. We loved Andy. We loved Casey. We loved Rod Sperling. I loved her. I like saying Tootie. The wonderful Maurice LaMarche. And, uh, and of course, you know, Beverly Ann came to the show late. We loved Cloris Leachman. We really did. Beverly Ann, uh, that, was a, that was a mixed bag in hindsight, really. Any other favorite characters you can think of that I haven't mentioned? Um, I liked Roy. I always thought Roy served a funny purpose. He did. If they could have removed a few of the Me Too moments, I, I would agree with you. I, I liked that he was there. You're watching it through 2023 eyes, aren't you? I, I am. In 1984, but, he was just the dork that was in love with Joe. Yeah. And I, you know, I wanted him back for that finale. He should have been the one in that 
friggin' chicken costume. Anyone else? Um, Jaja was wonderfully terrible. Oh, Jaja, darling, darling, of course we couldn't forget Jaja. As Countess Calvé. What's his guts? The, the French chef from... Oh. Going to Paris. You liked him? <laughs> no, just the fact that... Mm, bon, very, very bon. Ugh. That kind of shit. Like, yeah, made me laugh. Yep. No, he's on my shit list. No, no, I do not like him. I will not agree with you on that one. All right. But she's right about Kelly. What's her gut? Oof. What was that? Like, yeah. I, at least the writers realize this is not working. Yeah. Similarly to Kelly, in my least favorite list, Kevin Metcalf, the Ryan Cassidy role. The, uh, the, yeah, at least they figured out it wasn't working, but why they ever thought it would work was like, huh? It worked with George Clooney, but he didn't live in the house. So. Yeah. And he'd never came in in a shorty robe like Kevin did. And I would have much preferred to see George Clooney in a shorty robe. Didn't care for Princess Alex. Remember um, Heather McAdam playing little blonde princess? Supposed no. to be like giving Blair a run for her money for spoiledness. That was two episodes and done. No. Pippa. Well, we've stated for the mm. record. We know about Pippa. Um. So where do you fall on the snake scale? Is snake a, is snake a, a plus or a minus? Uh, he's so, it was such a, bleh. it was such a letdown. It was, I mean, we've talked about how snake was just kind of like, what? Mm -hmm. For me. Like, I didn't hate him. I didn't love him. I just it was like, eh, eh, yeah. Yeah. Not what I thought it was going to be. It was fine, but not, you know, not great or extraordinary. Yeah, too bad. And lastly, Louise LeBeau. <laughs> She's already come up and yeah, wow, that was, I, I re-listened to that episode recently when we had Philip Nolan on and oh my God, we are, all three of us were just like, what is happening? What is, what is this? She's wearing Mrs. Garrett's clothes? What the shit? <laughs> Deeply disturbing. Oh, I also loved Cliff, Blair's. Oh, yeah, we did like Cliff, yeah. And uh, I was also re-listening, okay, spoiler alert, I re-listened to the podcasts. I like this show, and sometimes when I just need something to run in the background while I'm doing housework, I'll put on an old episode. And I was listening to the episode where Eddie came back and we found out he was married and how angry Paul Padilla and I were that they gave him that send off that they made him such a garbage person. And so Eddie was like, oh, I, I liked Eddie, but then I didn't like Eddie. And it's too bad. I blame the writers. I think Clark Brandon was fine. No, I hadn't thought of him. Mm -mm. Well, thank you, Michelle, for sending that in. We, of course, can take this as an opportunity to plug her podcast, Old TV with a New Twist, where she watches classic TV episodes with her friends. She even did a Facts of Life episode and was so sweet to uh, cross-promote us and give us a little shout-out. Thank you, Michelle. And again, listen to Old TV with a New Twist. So let's move on and hear from Cody. Cody wrote in, uh, a nice little letter through the email, and he put this, David, this is Cody from New Orleans. 
If I sent a voice entry, I wouldn't be able to listen to the episode since I can't stand the sound of my recorded voice. Welcome to the club, Cody. Uh, continuing. So you're going to have to read it for me. This should please you since you'll get the opportunity to use your Mrs. Garrett voice twice. Oh, okay. Challenge accepted, Cody. Too many least favorite moments from the last two seasons to narrow down. So I'm going to focus on the positive. My favorite moment was when Blair was moosed to death in Seven Little Indians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Favorite Mrs. G advice was from the interview show. And I get to use my voice now. I'm a big believer in change. I think you have to shake up your life once in a while and see what happens. And now his letter continues. And after chaotic or upsetting situations, I often quote Mrs. Garrett's line from All By Herself. Well... I think we could all use a nice piping hot cup of postum. The people I have said this to have all had the same what the fuck reaction as Natalie. Thank you, Cody, for sending that in. Do you remember that postum reference? No. I don't either. We had so many other things to talk about in that All By Herself episode. And actually, I think that was a BM episode. I think that was before Matthew. I think it was Arnie Ellis that I had on the show. So I'd forgotten about that reference. This was season five, episode 22, All By Herself. This is the last Cousin Jerry episode, and I really like it. It's actually one of my favorites. Uh, but I somehow missed the postum reference and I didn't research it. What happened was, Mrs. Garrett early in the episode says, when I was a girl, I had more energy. And Natalie says, when you were a girl, they delivered milk to your door. Okay, fine. Later when she says, the postum thing, we need a piping hot cup of postum. Tootie says, what is postum? And Natalie says, probably something they used to deliver to your door. Ha ha! Callback! What is postum? I had to look it up. I had to Google it after I read Cody's note. Postum is an instant coffee substitute made from roasted wheat bran and molasses. <laughs> My thought exactly. It still exists. It's still on the market, and it has a couple of different flavors. And I, I have no idea what the fuck is about Postum. I guess there are people who can't have coffee but can have wheat bran? Uh, okay. Whatever. I love that Cody uses that quote and doesn't care that no one understands it. Makes me so happy. So while he brings up season six, episode 26, the interview show, Edna certainly did know how to shake up her life every once in a while. And I thought it would be a great moment to go through all of the careers and or avocations that Mrs. Garrett has pursued in the entire series, kind of a final wrap up of everything Edna as we know it. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. She was a maid on the Drummonds in different strokes. She was a house slash den mother on the Facts of Life season one. She's a dietitian, Facts of Life seasons two to four. Gourmet food shop owner slash caterer from Facts of Life seasons five and six. 
novelty gift store partner slash owner, Facts of Life season seven to nine. In the interview show, she mentions she was a cab driver. We know on an episode of Different Strokes, she's a karate student. There's also a mention in a Different Strokes episode that she studied ballet. I think when she was a kid, she took flying lessons in season one. She also mentions in passing in the Facts of Love, the sex education episode, that she is a registered nurse. We've mentioned that so, so many times. She also was supposed to be a suicide hotline advisor administrator after their dear friend Cynthia took her own life and the girls decided they wanted to do something to prevent future suicides. She was also a generic night school student on the Different Strokes episode where her fellow student asks her to marry him. And then she goes back to study English at Langley to return to being a night school student in pursuit of a college degree of some sort. And she went to the French cooking school in The Facts of Life Goes to Paris, and she did graduate, so she does have her certificate from that. And then sometime in the mid-60s, she was in the Peace Corps, returning to it in 1986 with her departure from the show. That is the list that I have come up with. And I had posted this on Facebook, and I asked anyone on the Facebook page to chime in if there was anything I missed. I think somebody did add one of them or one or two of them. But as of this recording, that is 16 pursuits and or careers of Edna Garrett. Why didn't we get more of her catering at, in the Edna's Edible years? There wasn't one episode other than the sorority house about her having to cater and deliver food and stuff was there like well there was the um the after Tootie's uh eleanor roosevelt play remember they had the reception which took place in the shop but like i mean yeah actual active you're right there there was little to none of that it was more in theory but not in practice wasn't it yeah i just thought of that huh you're not wrong. Wow. Oh, well, there it is. And if you recall, I still, to this day, get angry when I think of Tootie's interview in the interview show when she says, I've been a student at Eastland for so, so long, and now I live and work in a cheese and pasta shop with my friends. Cheese and pasta shop. I, I still can't. It's still that fills me with a fucking rage that mm. that's what she called it. It's like, wow. So while I try to shake off my rage, let's say thank you again, Cody, for writing in. And did you notice, Cody, that is three votes for Seven Little Indians as a fan favorite. Just Joe, Michelle B, and now Cody. So uh, definitely the front runner by a, by a Texas mile, as they say. So we ready to move on, my darling? Yes. I think it's time to hear from the wonderful Mendy H. She sent in this delightful clip. Hi, David. Hi, Matthew. This is Mendy H. calling in from Knoxville, Tennessee. 
I'm going to start first with my least favorite moment. It was back in season three, episode 18, The Runaway. I can barely watch that one because of how creepy crawly Mike the pimp is. The way he says, she's got the look, referring to Tootie is just so gross. My absolute most favorite moment in the show is a little bit cringy too. It's from season three, episode 15, Starstruck, with special guest star Jermaine Jackson. That bust that Tootie makes of Jermaine is hilarious, and I love when she finally gets in to meet him and the security guy thinks the head is a bomb or something and crushes it. It always makes me giggle. But my most very favorite part of the podcast is when you both do the trucker diesel horn when referring to Joe. Love you guys. Thanks for all the joy y'all have brought us. <laughs> Mendy, we, it, it is. We, I think we have lost sight of our lesbianic roots, Matthew. Well, they married her off I to mean, a man. I mean, wow. But what do you say? Should <laughs> should should we blow one for Mendy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it. Let's hear the diesel horn just for you, Mendy. Yes, there it is. Oh, I've missed it, huh? I feel like we should play the clip of us discovering to do the from the podcast. It's got to be the first time we. Yeah, I remember it was it. in my dining room. For those that don't know, who've been listening in while we haven't done it, mm -hmm. you know, here's the, totally do here's that. us discovering that there needs to be a diesel horn. I'm sure I could find it, but, oh, I totally will do that. I will drop it in. Let's have a little journey back and listen to when we first discovered the diesel horn sound effect. Here it is. It took a little bit of digging, but I found these clips. They are from Let's Face the Facts, episode 45, when Matthew and I were discussing season three, episode 16, The Four Musketeers, and this was originally released in September of 2019. So um, in the course of Natalie trying to play diplomat, she says, you can work out your differences just because there are things that annoy you, just like there are things that Tootie does that annoy me. And if I didn't, and, and the theme of this is compromise. Girls, you need to compromise. You can't just let shit get to you. You have to work through your differences. And so basically Natalie says, uh, there's stuff Tootie does where if I didn't let it slide, we would have broken up long ago. You're nodding broken your head. Broken up. Yeah. I um I assume that was one of the mm -hmm. lesbianic mm -hmm. references that you uh We need like a lesbian sound effect, like a diesel truck horn honking. <laughs> for every time. <laughs> Cause back in the day we used to call them diesels. Uh, <laughs> they still do. I think yeah. they still do. She says, Oh, I've just been talking to Joe, and Joe is uh, very happy about her new living situation. And Blair, kind of clearly putting on a face, is like, oh, Joe's happy? How nice. <laughs> There's the diesel engine coming through again, because Blair's jealous. <laughs> we have to look and Google a diesel engine sound effect. Diesel horn sound effect. That's what we need. It's just 
too long enough. <laughs> it's just exactly. <laughs> oh, is she? <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it one more time. So. Uh, Ask the question, Matthew. Blair is all kinds of jealous of Joe's new roommate. <laughs> How did you get that cuna? I have no oh. idea. Oh Memories. Like the corners of my mind. Oh, David, we were so mm. young and innocent. We were. That was back in 2019, Matthew. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you again, Mendy, for the for the memories, the Mendy memories. That was so sweet of you. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. How about we move on now to? <clears throat> Becky T. It's another clip. I have another audio clip here. Are we ready for some Becky T? Hi, this is Becky from Fargo, North Dakota. So besides the fact that the writers thought the facts of life ended with high school um, and just stopped writing issues altogether, uh, my least favorite thing was when Joe punched Blair and everything just stopped. Everybody was upset, but nothing really happened. I That was stupid. Um, and my favorite scene ever was Joe and Charlie throwing wadded up paper into the garbage can. Thank you, Becky. Now, that first one, the oh, that's a moment that we both really hated, too. That was Best Sister Part 2, Season 4, Episode 18, when Blair says she does not believe in God and Joe punches her. Yeah. And is not expelled from school. Um, wow. It's pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. And uh and even even Eve Plum's presence couldn't uh lift that episode up from there. It was just oof, rough episode. And do you remember Joe and Charlie throwing the wadded up paper into the garbage can? Yeah. That was in big time Charlie when he had all that money and then he lost all that money. Season seven, episode 22. That was a great moment. That's just the chemistry of Nancy McKeon and Alex Rocco. Ain't nothing like it. That was a wonderful thing to be documented in this series. Yeah. I, I What I was thinking about when you say that is Nancy McKeon just must be such a kind, lovely human because she just everybody clicks with her on screen mm. you know and it just must be make it so easy because she's so she just seems like she's probably so nice and so kind and so laid back that like she makes scenes easy with her and yeah on top of being a good actress but anyway you don't see her working she just does it and yeah and when you're a great scene partner, you and I both know when you're with an actor who's really good, you are better, yeah. sometimes better than you realize you ever could be. And that's kind of you to say, David. Uh, oh, I, I do think I make people better. Yeah, uh, yes, I, it was it was you I was talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. like, to, like to lift them up to my level. That's <laughs> what I like to do. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, thank you, Becky, all the way from Fargo, North Dakota. Have you, have you been noticing where people are, all of the locations? Yeah. Becky's from Fargo, North Dakota. Mendy is from Knoxville, Tennessee. Cody is in New Orleans. Uh, Michelle is in Madisonville, Louisiana. Paul K is in New York City, as is Matthew C. And we have a couple in Canada coming up as well. But let's move on. We have a lovely note that Michael B. wrote in. This is one I get to read. And Michael B. writes, This is Michael B. from New York. My most favorite moment from the facts of life is when Natalie says that she's leaving in an hour because she's not missing her rock hunt. <laughs> Doesn't everybody love a good rock hunt? <laughs> My least favorite moment from the show is when Tootie becomes a talent agent for the comedian while she's still in high school. The plot is ridiculous to me. I have absolutely loved the podcast and I'm looking forward to your future endeavors. Thank you. Best Michael B. Michael, we all love a good rock hunt, don't we, Matthew? I can't remember the last time I had a rock hunt. <laughs> that was season three, episode 16, The Four Musketeers. And uh, I remember so clearly that when Natalie mentions it, even the girls were kind of like, you what? what? <laughs> like, they're kind of like, what did you just say? <laughs> we're like, Someone in that writer's room pulled a fast one. Someone totally got away with something on network television that nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> and season seven, episode 16, called The Agent, that's the one where high school student Tootie represented comedian Jeff Joseph as Eddie Davis was his character. And remember, we just talked about that with Ken Reed, where he said he thought that might have been a potential backdoor pilot spinoff series following Jeff Joseph and just have it be that he happened to pass through Peekskill this one time. But yeah, that was not a very good episode. What the hell was Tootie going to do? She's in high school. Let me yeah. let me go wheel and deal with these guys who run comedy clubs. OK, uh, yeah, yeah. Take yeah. a seat, Toots, as yeah. you have said many times. So uh, here's the deal. Like that postum reference that Cody made earlier, the idea of the bits, the jokes, the phrases, the, the going on a rock hunt. Um, I thought it would be a good moment to talk about, do we have any favorite bits or moments or phrases from the show? And uh, like a bit that I love, I love the baby bottle bit. When they have the baby in season two, Natalie has to test the temperature of the baby bottle and you realize she doesn't have the lid on. So she dumps the milk on her wrist and and tries to fight having to laugh, laugh at it. And uh, then later when they put the Sean Cassidy diaper on the baby and Natalie is like, how could you? That was that's a bit that I absolutely love. I do love Rock Hunt. I've said that so many times. What, what are some of yours? Just the other night, I was playing a game of hotels with my friend Aaron, and you have to choose your um, limousine color. And I said, <laughs> I want to be blue. Oh, yes. That is the favorite. Um, That's from the summer of 84, when the Tootie and Natalie are back at the... That's is that when they're working? Uh, God, I'm confused. No, that's I'm confusing. when they're that's when they're they're being chased by Chunk from oh. Goonies. 
how in this millennium, how fucked up is it to refer to a character as junk? <laughs> oh, God. But that's right, Natalie. That was so subtle, too, the way Mindy Cohn did that. Just, I want to be blue. Throw Great throwaway line. Um, yeah. I still use girl drinks a root beer right before we start recording. I still <laughs> use do. that every time I burp inappropriately. You do. You do. God. Um, it's probably my most used favorite line of the entire series. Um mm-hmm. I've been known to use a dippity dude. I've yep. been known to use that. Um, Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, indeed. But yeah. And I, my favorite bit is the, of all time in the whole series. And it's so de- perfectly delivered by Natalie is in your favorite episode, David, take my finals, please. When she's sitting there with that hat on and goes, if you hit me with that, pillow one more time and she does it she goes that's all yeah and gets up like the timing of the hit and that's all yeah she gets Mm -hmm. up like oh god it's such a great timed bit and it it worked out perfectly yes oh i love that episode so much and uh uh, the other bits and there are so many along the way and i can't even think of them i'm sure there's like 10 more the episode, the, the the reunion episode with George Clooney, not a great episode, but when we realize Tootie and Natalie have crashed and taken other people's name tags and Natalie introduces herself as Shirley Bagelman. Why <laughs> <laughs> that tickles me so. Oh my God. <laughs> One of those many Jewish but not Jewish references about Natalie. And oh, that makes me so happy every time I think about it. What a ridiculous fake name that is. Makes you think of Golden Girls. Now, look what you've done. You've upset Kim Fung Toy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. We've got another audio clip from Tutti Fruity Joseph T. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey guys, Joseph T here. You know when you're entertaining, let's say, a guest and things get close and you put on a movie and you enjoy that movie and you enjoy each other? Well, that's what I do with the pizza episode. I order myself a large pizza, thick crust, of course, and I eat the whole thing while watching a slice of life. As for my least favorite... Can I say the entire season one? Oh, and that Louise LeBeau episode. Because life of the party, she ain't. I mean the episode, not the actress. Love her. That's all. Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) Another vote against the lady who came to dinner. Season seven, episode 20. I didn't realize how hated that episode was. Well, because the whole thing of the Alice in Wonderland party also. Remember the whole thing of Blair saying, no, I wanted to go to the Wonderland Cafe. So that whole thing is ridiculous. And then that they bring in this dollar store Carmen Miranda vaudevillian comic. It's, it is a mess of an episode. And then the two, uh, the son and the daughter-in-law who come in with the glasses and the trench coats, like they're fucking robots. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot to hate there. A lot. Oh, I, mm. 
<laughs> I mean, I, it wasn't my favorite episode, and it is ridiculous, but I didn't know there was so much hatred for Louise LeBeau. Life of the party, she ain't. <laughs> God, I love it. But I, I do love Joseph's um, plan of ordering a large pizza and watching A Slice of Life. Great episode. Oh, great episode. It is season six, episode two. And I mean, Joseph was getting a little sexy with that. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I identified 100%. If you knew how many Friday nights I've spent at home making love to a bacon and pineapple pizza, girl. Oh, Jesus Christ, David. What? A bacon and pineapple pizza. Do you eat that with your loaf bread, David? <laughs> Do you have some postum with it, for Christ's sake? What is wrong with a bacon and pineapple pizza? How dare oh, you? Don't start me on what's wrong with pineapple on pizza. David. Oh, my God. How have we never had this conversation? Because people don't have this conversation because it ruins friendships, David. <laughs> you are not a pineapple on a pizza person. I mean, look at me. Does it look like I'm turning down pizza? No. <laughs> But if I had my druthers, honestly, I'm not going to put pineapple on pizza. I get it. I understand it. It should work. It doesn't not work, but it's just, it's like <sighs> if somebody was like showed up, it's like, mm, look, I just melted cheese on a piece of pineapple. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then if they were like, and then I'm going to dip it in tomato sauce. Mm. I'd be like, are you? Okay, who hurt you? <laughs> I, I cannot believe that this has never come up in discussion between us. Holy well, we've, shit. We've never had to order pizza. But, and all the stuff I've served you that you've complained about, I can't believe that wasn't one of them back when you used to come to my house. Yeah, you never ordered pizza. I believe I got toast one time, <laughs> I believe. You got warm salad. Um, yeah. You were thrilled with the grapes. Remember when I, I put out some grapes as a healthy snack? You're like, well, fuck these. <laughs> you, an ungracious guest, you certainly were. I'm... That's why I started the pandemic, so we wouldn't have to do that anymore, and we'd only have to record over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I was so horrible, but <laughs> I like grapes. <laughs> <laughs> to comedic effect. And even though I knew it was a bit, I knew it was a bit, there's still that part of me that was just like, well, fuck, I have to, I, what, what can I do better? I have to, food is, food is my love language. Food is my life language. So even oh, in jest. Oh my God, why do you hate me? Oh. <laughs> so even in jest, someone rejecting my serving them food, there's a part of me that's just like, well, well fuck, what do I need to do better? How, how do I make you love me? How do I make you understand that I love you? I'm, I'm trying to show you love by feeding you something. I know, I'll make mac and cheese for Paul Padilla. <laughs> the thing that started it all was the mac and cheese. I should have edited that out when Paul just <laughs> said in passing, oh, it was great last time. Thanks for the mac and cheese. Uh, had I edited that out, and and I shit you not, I made it for myself, and he happened to come over, and I was like, oh, I just, you, do you want something? Are you hungry? It was so completely impromptu and and the beast it unleashed <laughs> <laughs> oh i love us so much matthew <laughs> 
But we've just talked about a slice of life and the lady who came to dinner. And we've also re referenced the Four Musketeers, the agent from Michael B's uh, letter. And we, we're, we're talking about individual episodes. So why not take this as a moment to talk about specific episodes that we loved? I'm not going to talk about the ones I hated. I'm not going to be negative for once in my life. Okay. And I know we've already done most favorite, least favorite lists in the past. I could have looked them up. I did not because I'm lazy. So I've just got some uh, random episodes. I thought, oh, that would be on my among the favorites list. And I'm going to go through them now, if you will indulge me. How about it? The New Girl, season two, episode one. The Joe coming to Eastland episode. Literally the show that fixed this, that made the facts of life from a bad show. Bam. It suddenly was crackling with the energy and excitement of something. My childhood was changed. I know yours was too. Big, yeah. big deal. Big time. Yeah. All by herself. We mentioned season five, episode 22. That was a good episode where cousin Jerry gets too big for her britches, won't accept any help from Blair with planning this big fundraiser. It's a fucking disaster. And at the end, when she says, because if I had asked for help, people would have said the disabled girl couldn't cut it. And wow, that was, I think, very powerful. Double Standard, season two, I think it was episode three or four. That is the thesis show of the Linda Marsh and Margie Peters years where, yeah, we had Joe, we brought Joe in, we reestablished the format of the series. But this was the show where Joe went off to the cotillion with the boy that Blair thought should have asked her. This is the first time Joe cried on Mrs. Garrett's shoulder and Mrs. Garrett consoled her. And at the end of the episode, it's where Blair came down and came to the defense of Joe when it was revealed that the boy tried to throw Joe into a fucking sand ditch at the golf club to do God knows what to her. It established everything that would come and the, the i'm being very lofty here the the um what am come i trying on, to beverly ann i know come you on beverly ann the ripples that it created still lasted all the way to season nine even in the shittiest of the episodes yeah we would not have had the the solid relationship between blair and joe if it hadn't been for that um Graduation episode, season five, episode 23. Still cry. Can't talk about it too much. I will cry again. Season three, episode 24, read no evil. The book banning episode where Mrs. Garrett has to team up with Mr. Parker to go in and talk to the parents about the fucking banning of books. And I mean, I'm not sure I could watch that episode today it would be so fucking upsetting because we're going through the same shit right now in the state of Florida. Yeah. Season six, episode 13, Christmas in the big house. Come on. Let's put on a talent show. Let's have, oh shit, in my Mrs. Garrett list, concert pianist. Mrs. Garrett played piano in Christmas in the big house and she never looked at or touched a piano before or after. Shit, I missed that. I got to re-add that to my list. I'm not going to go back and edit, but there's one that I missed, was that somehow Mrs. Garrett was a performance-quality piano player accompanist. I mean, was she a performance? I mean, was she a concert pianist? 
That's like saying the lady that plays the piano at the church is a concert piano. She plays while people sing. Okay, I will give her that. <clears throat> but for a woman whom in five and a half years we had never seen look at a piano, sit down and play perfectly. It's like, well, she's certainly got to be good if she can step back to it without any rehearsals. <clears throat> we talked about it. Use it or lose it. Any type of a skill or uh, talent, you got to use it or lose it. So can't believe that. But yeah, we love Christmas in the big house. All of them singing Mrs. Garrett, hitting her high notes. And uh, yeah, this is a long list. I'm sorry I'm going on here. Of course, the wacky episodes come back to the truck stop. Out of Peak Skill, Seven Little Indians, all of this fun stuff. And clearly fan favorite with Seven Little Indians. Anything on your list that's coming to mind? I didn't really give you much time to prepare, I realize. Um, probably the new girl um, is up there as far as the Eastland years go. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb, David. I'm just going to say it all of season six. Mm -hmm. I think season, season six is my favorite season. It has the most episodes that I love in it. Um, even the Dear Apple um, episode oh, where she talks to a computer and says you cost $60,000 or something. <laughs> um, the Elder Barge episode, season six into season seven, I really, really enjoy those episodes. So, mm -hmm. Sure. The 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 cruising episode, yeah, um, that's a fun one. Yes, that song was playing on my radio the other day, and I texted you a picture of it. You did. You've lost that love and feeling because I was driving along, going, "Don't, don't, don't," <laughs> from the back seat. But... Nice. Uh so yep. Those are some of our favorite episodes and not going to do least favorite. We've, we have stated so many times what they are and clearly among them, the Louise Lebeau, the woman who came to dinner, we are in agreement with you, Tutti Fruities and fans, as far as it being among the least popular and least favorite episodes. I'm so surprised that that is so much more, more hated than like Bates Academy or, Brian and Sheila or whatever. Sylvia. Yeah. But I, it's that surprises me because like I don't even consider those episodes when I mm -hmm. think about. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> Next, it's time to move on to Marion H. Marion. She is such a sweetie. We've we've corresponded with her privately about many things. She is such a sweetheart. So Marion writes, it's Marion H. all the way from the Great White North, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Canada. There have been so many great moments from the show, but mostly I really enjoyed listening to you and Matthew dissect the show. You have both brought me so much joy over the years, and I really hope you do another podcast soon. I honestly think you should do different strokes, if not just to torture Matthew. I will miss you both so much. Mwah, smooches, and goodbye for now. I have so much nice things to say about her, and yet she wants me tortured to watch <laughs> Uh, Thank you, Marion. I'm always on board with torturing Matthew. It's one of my favorite things to do. But Marion has always been such a sweetie. And yeah, 
Look at this. New York City to Fargo to Knoxville to New Orleans as far as Canada. I think that technically makes us an international sensation, doesn't it? I think so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Matthew, we're down to our final audio clip. Aww. It's our final one, but it is uh, it's a it's a good one. It's uh, the might be you might argue the best for the last because this is from Brian F. Brian is a long time. He's been with us since the very, very beginning and has always sent us the sweetest notes. And uh, Brian sent in this. Wait till you hear this. Hello, David and Matthew. It's Brian F. I wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of my Wednesdays for the past four years. It's always been like looking forward to hearing from your best friends every week. My most favorite thing about the Facts of Life is that it is pure nostalgia for me. Ever since it re-ran in the early 1980s and then to after school in the late 80s, it has been my comfort show. And also, I love the soundbite. Girls, I need your help! <laughs> Tootie, Joe, Blair, and Natalie, you always put me last. I'd rather be a happy magic marker. All the best and so much more to you guys. Smooches. And remember, let's face the facts. We're all about us. Brian. Brian. I am accepting proposals, Brian. (laughs) That's right. If, If Kevin doesn't come through with that proposal... That was so sweet. You did editing. You pulled clips, actual audio clips from episodes. God bless you. That was a lot of work. And you know, I am not about creating work for people, but wow. And what a lovely way to sort of cap off all of these by him saying, let's face the facts. We're all about us, meaning you, the Tutti Fruities and the listeners. Wow. It is insane. I'm still, like I said, I still haven't wrapped my brain around it. So, well, that's it. That's our Cliptacular clip of Palooza, Matthew. We have been through all of the submissions of the Tutti Fruities, and I cannot thank them enough. That's very sweet of them to send those in. Mm-hmm. Anything else, my darling? Well, David, I have a letter that I wrote to you. <sighs> Oh, you mentioned this. I don't know if it, we've mentioned it on air or whatever, but you've said that there's something, yeah. And it says, do not open until final podcast. I wrote it um, when you added me to season seven. So, so when I when I asked you if you wanted to be on every show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> okay. Darling David, first of all, thank you for taking me on this journey. Not only has it been a joy to be a part of this, it has been a delight to listen every week as so many people shower you with love. You are a beacon of warmth and kindness to the point it could trigger someone's gag reflex. I will take full credit for the inception of this podcast because I firmly believe that had I not blown my load the first time you mentioned facts of life to me and sprayed you with my fandom, (laughs) I don't know that you would have actually put it together and done it. (laughs) Wow. I will never 
be able to make you comprehend the gifts you have given me. One, a chance to be opinionated and, and obnoxious for others to hear. Two, a constant reminder of how dreadful my speaking voice is. Oh, stop. Three, rekindling a lifelong love affair I've had with the facts of life. Number four, giving me license to rewatch my favorite show with overly critical eyes and still not diminish my love for it. Number five, making me feel like I'm way funnier than I am. Number six, for challenging me the amount of times you've disagreed with me and forced me to look at something differently. Number seven, and most important, you have given me new eyes to watch my favorite show forever. It's rare that you watch something that is exactly the same to be giving something new to look for. Of course, I'm talking about your Mrs. Garrett impression. <laughs> I, will, I will never be able to watch the facts of life again without hearing your voice reading Mrs. Garrett's lines. And that is a gift of seven seasons that I have not had since I first watched the show. You know I love a final episode, and I love to quote two of them often and change it to fit my need. On the Mary Tyler Moore show, she walked out and she said, sometimes you have to tell yourself the people you work with are just the people you work with and not your family. But what is a family but people that make you feel less alone and really loved? Thank you for being my family over the past how many years? Um, and on the Golden Girls, I now have this podcast that I can wrap myself in when the world gets cold. And I forget that there are people that are kind and loving. And I love you, David Almeida, for letting me be a part of this. You want me to send that to you? <laughs> You're so <laughs> sweet. Oh, fuck. That is the sweetest. <laughs> See, I'm sweet. Damn it, I'm pleasant. <laughs> no, you're be crying here. Oh, I mean, it's been a labor of love, and it was just so natural to make you a part of it. I, I'm, I'm. It means a lot to me to know that it meant a lot to you, because yeah. there are there are times. I swear to God, it. Time-wise and scheduling-wise, there are times I'm like, oh, he must be like, Jesus, what did I what did I get myself into? Those words never came into my head. Oh, well, I'm glad because I'm going to continue to harass you to keep going with the TV talkaholic stuff. And it has been a joy. This show, I I go back and I listen to old episodes, like I told you, and I forget. I'll listen and it'll be like, hi, my guest this week is Logan Benedict. And he and I are going to be, I'm like, oh, that's right. It, I forget that the show didn't always have you every week. <laughs> and it's because it's like, it is, it's a, you are a part of it. It is like, it is so much better for my having uh, put you here every week. It is without a question, one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And with that, getting the chance to be 
better friends with you and to have this time that we are on one hand forced to be together, but also all of these hours and hours of friendship time that we've gotten to spend together, that has meant the world to me. So I love you, Matthew Arder, and I cannot thank you enough for all your contributions to to making this better and to making my life better, brighter, and for all of the laughter you have given me. I mean, fuck the show. I got the best thing out of all of this. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I wrote that at season seven. So we had not experienced Beverly Ann yet. <laughs> so I do have to say on a positive thing, my favorite part of the later seasons was discovering how much you hated how Beverly Ann spoke only to discover that you're the same person. I am. It's... That brought me joy in season eight and nine. <laughs> I am a firm believer. You know, when you meet somebody and you don't like them, it's something you don't like about yourself. So <laughs> it's that, yeah, that has been a, a, an unpleasant <laughs> discovery also. Ah, bless. Next week, The Facts of Life Reunion. That is available to watch on YouTube. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. And thank you so much to the Tutti Fruities for writing in and for sending in your audio clips. Your support means the world to me and to us. And listeners, thank you for listening. We will be back next week one more time. And until then, remember. The facts of life are all about you, David. Oh, they're about you, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>